a few weeks ago, and I was talking about invisible things, invisible things of God, and I did say that I had a phone in my pocket, and of course somebody could ring me, and, uh, and through invisible networks and all, all kinds of things, this would reach me, and that it was in my pocket, um, and I would feel the vibrations. However, somebody, perhaps one of you, did try to do it. You texted me. Thank you. Uh, but my coat was so floppy that I didn't feel the vibrations. So I read the text, which just said, just testing, <laughs> when I got home. Well, it did work, but it didn't get to me in time. So I've asked Jill to ring me now, okay? So if you would, Jill, please. Hooray! It's Catherine Bailey. Hello, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Thanks for trying, Jill and James. That was Catherine Bailey on the phone. <laughs> the wonderful thing is, you see, these invisible networks. So there's Catherine sitting back there, and she's used her phone, and somehow, invisibly, it's sent, it's, it's sent off some kind of signal, which some of you exp understand and I don't, sent off a signal to the network, which has passed it onto a satellite, which has passed it back, possibly through Goon Hilly, back to my network, so that I should get a message which actually tells me that it's Catherine Bailey who is ringing me. That is extraordinary, isn't it? This world is full of invisible things which we can't see. Now, on the day of Pentecost, when the disciples were gathered together in the upper room, they were full of anticipation. They were full of anticipation because just seven, eight days beforehand, before Jesus was raised up into heaven, he had said to them, don't leave Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until you're endowed with power from on high, the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. So, they were commanded by the risen Lord to stay in Jerusalem. There was an anticipation amongst them because they didn't know what this might actually involve. What does it mean until you are clothed with power by the Holy Spirit? But then on the day of Pentecost, invisibly from heaven, what Peter says is that Jesus, having been raised from the dead, was lifted up into the heavenly places. He sat down at the right hand of God in a way that we can't see. It's all invisible. It's spiritual reality. But he sat down at the right hand of God and then poured out this, which the people on that day saw and heard. Jesus, from the Father, poured out the Holy Spirit on the waiting church. And they were signed up into the spiritual network and power of God. Now, all of you, I guess, have got, have got mobile phones. Perhaps some of you don't. But all of you are signed up into some human communication network. And you rely upon it more and more. I asked my daughter-in-law, what is the advantage of having a mobile phone? And the first thing she said was, it means that if I'm going to meet my friends and I'm going to be late, I can just text them and they don't have to worry. How many of you do that? I have to do it with Mackie. I had to ring him today in case I was late. Don't, don't panic, I said to Mackie. I'm on my way. 
We can do that. We're signed into these networks which work in this extraordinary and invisible way. And if I'd have asked Catherine to go outside and tell me what's happening outside, we wouldn't have seen it, but you could have heard it on my phone as she told me what's going on out there. We are signed into these networks which work in incredible, invisible ways. Now then, there are heavenly realities. There is a heavenly reality of God. And as a heavenly reality of God is not just that somehow he's remote beyond all the heavens and unreachable, but lo, he's with you. Through Jesus Christ, he is with us now. And when we, when we prayed, in, uh, when we said the... Um, the Apostles' Creed. We had this st stupid word which some people don't understand, understandably don't understand, because it has all these other con connotations about the Holy Catholic Church, which of course is not the Roman Catholic Church. It is the Church of Bulgaria, which the group are going to support with their funding, and the Church of Romania that some of us had visited, and the Church of Canada, and the Church of Jesus Christ in all these places. It's the one universal church. And Jesus Christ is present with his body, the church worldwide. Isn't that extraordinary? The invisible reality, the heavenly realities of the spiritual world of God. And there are angels all around us. Do you know, once on the way to, I've probably told you, I'm going to tell you again. On the way to Romania, there was a sign we were driving, there was a sign at the bottom of a mountain which we didn't recognise until we were halfway up and it started snowing we realised it said snow chains, no further without snow chains. We didn't have snow chains, we just went on. We drove through the mountains. Um, as the snow got deeper and deeper with just two, two tyre tracks in the middle, it didn't matter which way you went, you used those tyre tracks. And we, we got safely to the far side of the Carpathian Mountains where we started to go down into the valley where we knew hairpin bends began and the first hairpin bend is a very very sharp hairpin bend and as we approached this hairpin bend there were three of us um, uh, drivers and I wasn't driving, the guy who was driving said uh, that we started sliding we started sliding with the camber to the inside of the road and on both sides of the roads, hidden by snowdrifts, we knew there were um, ditches. We couldn't see it, but ahead of us, we could see that a big tanker coming the other direction had gone in, and it was tipped over into the ditch. And we were now sliding, and the driver said, I'm not doing this, and I can't write it, I can't do anything about it. As we approached the hairpin bend, suddenly a huge tanker roared round towards us, round the bend, a huge thing. And if we hadn't have slidden over to the side, we would have gone like that with each other. And he would have just mashed us to pieces. But he went by, missing us, it seemed, by millimetres. And as he went by... The driver literally took his hands off the wheels. He said, look guys, I'm not doing this. And we slid back to the centre of the road against the camber. 
We believe in the invisible world of of the spiritual world of God and of angels and of Jesus Christ who is Lord and of spiritual powers which Jesus can use to heal the sick and turn water into wine and all kinds of things. And on the day of Pentecost, the disciples waiting were baptized, filled with the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God. They were signed into his network for works which he had prepared beforehand so that men and women should come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that extraordinary? And so we hear that they went out and and, and they healed the sick and they did all kinds of things. But the first thing, which is more remarkable to me than, than even healing the sick, a crowd gathered on this occasion because because they heard this sound like a mighty rushing wind, sort of, where did that come from? How did God do that? But these people were probably in the temple because it was a day of Pentecost. They were probably offering up their, their um, perhaps they were involved in offering up their sin, sin offerings and their peace offerings on this, this day of Pentecost, which was a harvest festival to them. And also to them, since, since the days of Malachi had become the festival when they acknowledged the giving of the law. So, and it was a holy convocation and all the men of Israel were expected to be there. So they hear this mighty rushing wind. They're rushing now away from their sacrifices to see the source of this noise and they come out and Peter stands before them. A Galilean, a, a Galilean fisherman with an accent. Are not all these who speak here, are they not all Galileans, as they're speaking in languages that they never learned at school? And Peter stands up, and now speaking in the language they all understand, this is what this is all about. And he quotes an Old Testament prophet. This is what God promised. And this has all happened because, you know the guy, Jesus, that God attested amongst us who did all those amazing, wonderful signs and wonders and you had him crucified by the hands of wicked men in this city just 50 days ago? God raised him from the dead and we're witnesses of that uh, because he, he appeared to us with signs which, are, which can't be you, you, incontestable signs that he has risen from the dead, and now he's been taken up into heaven, He sat down at the right hand of God, and he has poured this out, just as the prophets promised. And as the people listened, the power of God, uh, uh, through what Peter said, their hearts were cut to shreds. And they said, what can we do? Because they realized that they had crucified the Messiah they had been waiting for, for Yonks! And now they crucified him. And now he'd done this. And where were they now? Under the ban of God. And Peter said, no, repent. Repent. Change your mind and your attitude to your sin and to what's happened here. Repent. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Be baptized, every one of you. And you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will as well. Because this is not just for us. It's not just for the special, the chosen ones who happen to be with him all his life. This is for you. And it's for your children. And it's for all who are far off. 
And it's for the men and the women, as the prophet said. And it's for the rich and the poor. It's the servants, the men's servants and the maid servants, and not just the rich Johnnies. This is for all of you who hope in Christ. That God wants to sign you up with power into his network. He signed you up through faith. You are saved by grace through faith. And Jesus Christ has become your saviour. But let me ask you, as I had to ask myself, daring, presuming to stand up and preach on this day. I had to ask myself all week and all the last few weeks, God, if you don't fill me with your spirit, this is a useless exercise. And nothing, nothing, nothing will be of any fruitfulness to you. To be filled with the Spirit. God, isn't this fantastic? He's given us this wonderful hallelujah. Rejoicing. Awesome. Privilege. When I became a Christian, there was a lot of controversy about all this. It was just as the charismatic movement was beginning. And my pastor was a part of that, a big part of that, as it happened. Um, Now, over 40 years, I've thought about the charismatic movement, and there's lots of things now I would disassociate from, but never from the Holy Spirit. And never from the fact that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. And nor from the fact that God distributes gifts amongst his people. I will never disassociate with those things. Attitudes, yes. Arrogance, yes. Stupid theology, which tries to make God our slot machine, yes. I disassociate from all those things. But you cannot disassociate yourself from Acts chapter 2. The word of God fulfilled according to prophetic promise. Purchased for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. And there is this privilege of being baptized in the Spirit. Oh, I've had so many discussions about this and arguments with people, and I've been in the wrong in many of them. I hope I'm a bit maturer now. But it was John the Baptist who said, I baptize you with water, but he, when he comes, is greater than I, the latches of whose shoes I'm not even worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I'm thinking about these people that he's speaking to about being baptized. They have just gone down into the River Jordan. They've come up out of the Jordan and they are soaking wet. You have been baptized in water, he says. When he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now what does it mean to be soaking in the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, which isn't like water, a material thing which just lands on us and eventually runs off. But the Holy Spirit, which permeates our whole soul and being and brings God to us. When I was at college, I've been to two Bible colleges. The first one was London Bible College. Uh, one day, somebody gave me a kind of newspapery thing. It was about revival that was going on in Ivory Coast. Back in the, this was in the 70s. 
revival going on in the Ivory Coast, and I read this and devoured it. It's just awesome. The amazing sovereign acts of God amongst his people and then through his people, bringing people to Jesus Christ. And I was just overwhelmed by what was going on. And while I was reading this, don't ask me how I know, but when it happens, you do know, don't you? God said, give this to Krista Link. Now, Krista Link was a German student at the college. I love her name because, of course, anglicized, it's a link to Christ, Krista Link. Give this to Krista Link. So the next day, I sort of, in all innocence, I went up and said, hi, Krista, um, I got this wrong, forgive me, but I think God wants you to have this. So she read it. She came back to me a week later. She said, um, uh, why did you give me this? I said, just because I think God told me to. Well, she said, it quotes a verse from Psalm 32, be not stubborn or like a mule. <laughs> Is that why you gave it to me? I thought, help me, Lord, here. <laughs> no, of course it's not. It's all about this revival. She says, I've been refusing God. I've been refusing God to go to Africa and to go out to a place like Ivory Coast for a long time and now God has told me I must no longer be stubborn like a mule and the result of that she ended up in Ivory Coast and the result of that a number of African tribes who never had heard the scripture in their own language have now heard it and read it in their own language now we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and it's not about big booming I'm big and loud power is it it's about being on God's networks and hearing him and obeying him and sometimes doing the most innocent and simple little things in obedience. And suddenly you discover that the power of God is at work through this and whoa, it blows up into something massive which is of God. And you sit down at the end of it and you just say, God, how did you do that? But this is the day when he poured out his Holy Spirit on waiting souls who were, who were anticipating it. I came across this. I was reading the prophecies of Zechariah and I found a commentary which says that in the visions in Zechariah, what the visions do is they bring an awareness of heavenly realities reflected in human affairs. I love that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit brings us into an awareness of heavenly realities, the permanent realities of Jesus Christ, and of God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. But also, at his bidding, at his bidding, the heavenly realities of what he may be doing now in your office, in your family, in this church, right now. And gives us an awareness of those heavenly realities and how, in this human affair that I'm involved in, I can reflect those through the power of his Spirit. Now, don't you find that exciting? I find that incredibly exciting to think that I'm not left as an orphan. I'm not left as an orphan. He has promised us the power and presence of the Holy Spirit so that we may be involved in the very 
works of the heavenly realities in our day-to-day business. I want to say hallelujah. I haven't said hallelujah enough for years. I used to say it all the time. When I left this church all those years ago, the students did a little pantomime, and they had this pantomime of me going, hallelujah, hallelujah, you'll remember it. (laughs) I don't say hallelujah enough now. And do you know why? It's because I've probably forgotten about or grieved the Spirit and not allowed God to fill me with the Spirit as he used to. And I regret that. And I regret it, and I I regret it as a kind of confession before you, too. Because you haven't seen that old Dave that was once so full of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see it again, because I want God to see it again. But that was in the church at one time. I want to see that in the church again. I want to see you not sort of leaping like funny people. But Holy Spirit, come down and fill this church so that our awareness of, of heavenly realities are so real and because we're able to hear your voice and, and do. Somebody, somebody came to me, somebody at this church years ago said, go and see my mum, she's in hospital, she's got gangrene. So I, I went to see her, she wasn't a Christian, the mum. But before I went, God said, pray for this woman to be healed. That's stupid, I thought. I don't know of any, any case where gangrene has turned backwards. Pray for this woman to be healed. I prayed my guts out, and I'm not certain that I believed very much, to tell the truth, when I prayed it. But I went to see her, and we just talked small talk while I was with her. Um, but she was so pleased to have somebody actually to come and see her. We talked small, small talk because I was scared. Did I really hear the power of God? Was this the Holy Spirit? Lord, what do I do? Every time you obey God, I seem to obey God. It's like jumping off a precipice and saying, unless you catch me, I perish. But there was this nagging feeling, pray for this woman, for her healing, for her healing. Well, she'd had a foot off the day before. It was under a cradle thing. So I said, uh, would you like me to pray for you to be healed? Would you, pastor, she said. So I prayed, and I went away and thought, God, are you really going to grow this foot again? So I prayed for her to be healed. Two days later, I got a phone call from her daughter and said, Mum's, or was it three days, perhaps four? Mum's home again. The doctors have released her early. Could you go and see her? So I went to see her. She was still in bandages. It wasn't all covered over. But the next day, after I went in there, the the consultant came round with some student doctors and he said to them, this lady's had her foot off and they took the blankets off and showed the crate, took the cradle off and he was explaining to them all the details. And they looked at this foot and he said, I don't believe this. And he called for another consultant. And the other consultant came and they looked at it together and they turned round to the student and said, we don't understand this. This seems to be mending much better than it ought to be mending. And the woman said, I know why. Oh, why is that, said the consultant? Because the vicar came in and prayed for me. Now the bandages were on for a long time. We've got doctors here. I don't want to try and pull the wool over your eyes and suggest that something happened and, uh, and suddenly she was walking around with a new foot. It didn't happen. 
If she's still alive, she still doesn't have a foot. But the point is, a healing took place faster than the doctors could ever imagine. And she was released within a couple of days. Lord, baptize us with the Holy Spirit and make us aware of heavenly realities in such a way that we can see the things that you are doing and that you want to do and we can be involved with them in, in them with you by obedience. And how many people might then join the 3,000 that listened to Peter on the day of Pentecost? How many more people might sort of turn around and say, wow, do you mean this God you're talking about is real, isn't he? He's not just a figment of your imagination or a creed that you preach. This God is real. Tell me more about him. Heavenly Father, we want to see that because we sang it today. I can't remember the exact words. Was it something about my inheritance being the souls of men? We want people to be, we want people to come and know Jesus. Please, God. Please, God. I've nearly finished. Mackie sent an email round this week uh, saying the scriptures that he was thinking about as he approached today. Uh, one he didn't mention, then I'll mention the ones he did mention. <laughs> one he didn't mention comes from Numbers chapter 11. When Moses, leading the people of Israel, two million people, a brickyard rabble who've escaped from slavery, going through a, a desert to a promised land whenever, finds it all too much for him. And he says, God, how can I lead this people? They were being a bit awkward at the time, the people. And in Numbers 11, God says, bring out some elders and I will give some of the spirit that is on you to them. And so these elders collected, but two of them never arrived. They stayed in the camp. But the spirit of God was given to these two elders in the camp. And people came running to Moses and said, Moses, Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Tell them to stop. And Moses said, I would that all the people of God prophesied. <clears throat> the greatest leader that Israel knew before Christ. I would that all the people of God prophesied. Well, the day has come when Jesus being raised from the dead is pouring out his spirit on the young and the old and on the men and the women, your young men will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams and on your young men, my maidservants and, and, and my men servants, they shall prophesy and this is for you and for your children and all who are far off. The dream of Moses has been realized through the gift of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> and then Mackie looked at... Uh, I think it's Ezekiel 37, isn't it? A valley of dry bones, an extraordinary vision which Ezekiel had. And uh, in, in this, he just sees this valley, this sort of like a graveyard with no covering on the skeletons, basically. And it's because the people of Israel have been disobedient. And they've just rotted away. And in the vision, he said, can these bones live? He said, you know, Lord, you know. And he's told to prophesy to these bones. And he prophesies to those bones. And there's a rattling. And they start coming together. And he sees sinews and flesh coming on. And then again he's told prophesy to the breath. 
I will pour my spirit on these people. And people that have become desiccated and dried through their own sin were wonderfully, wonderfully renewed. <clears throat> Another one that Mackie was reading was from Zechariah chapter 4. And it's a time when the people of Israel have come back out of exile. They have been disobedient, they have been overrun by foreigners, they've been taken off into exile, their own city Jerusalem has been destroyed and now they're beginning to come back and there's a rebuilding process going on and, and God says through Zechariah, it's not by might or by power but it's by my spirit and what he's talking about is he's talking about Zerubbabel and the rebuilding of the temple. So the Zerubbabel and others have all the building skills, the human skills is needed to do the work, but only, only the Spirit of God can turn this building and this, this rebuilding, he can, only God can turn it into a temple for worship, a place which inspires people to worship. It's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my Spirit. Are you hearing this, elders? And people. It's not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now then, I confessed a few minutes ago that a hallelujah has disappeared from my vocabulary. It's a confession, Lord. So I want to ask you, have you, because of circumstances or other things, become desiccated in your Christian life. Little more than a bag of bones. The Spirit of God can bring that bag of bones together again and put spiritual sinew and flesh back on you and can breathe the Holy Spirit into you so that Pentecost becomes yours again. And are you involved in Christian work and you've got all the, all the skills and the abilities that man can give you and keep improving them and developing them? But it's not by might or by power, is it? It's by the Spirit of God. And God has the Holy Spirit to pour out upon you so that you become aware of the heavenly realities and so that they can be reflected in your human affairs. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Paul says this to the disciples in Ephesus, and with this I will finish. He says to them, do not be drunk with wine. I'm sure none of you will be, though I think some of us once or twice have been not far from it. Be not drunk with wine, because that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. And the verb be filled is a present participle. What that means is, it's not just... It's not just be filled with the Spirit, full stop. It means be being filled with the Spirit, day after day after day after day, because the streams of heaven don't stop flowing. They're life-giving waters. Not just so that you have power to know heavenly realities and by obedience can reflect them in your human affairs, but so that as a result, another 3,000, one way or another, come to recognize Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and King. Amen.